This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I know that some of you right now are sitting around and you are watching the College World Series in action. Lots of fireworks between the battle of UT's Tennessee going up against Texas in an elimination game. Texas leads right now 7-4. to four. Just finished the second day of the Clay and Buck show. Appreciate all the support that you guys have had for that show. Airing at 12 Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. in the Mountain Time Zone, 11 a.m. in the Central Time Zone. Underway, a lot to discuss surrounding the show, but I hope you guys are enjoying it. There is a podcast. You can search out my name, Clay Travis, online. Uh, Also, the podcast for this show is eventually going to populate and all of the past couple of weeks of shows will be available in audio. So I want to thank all of you and give you an opportunity to dive in there. Much to discuss as we run through the Tuesday edition of the program. Uh, I want to start here with some good news. The 12-team college football playoff uh, discussed down in Dallas this uh, today continues to advance Uh, There are lots of legal issues to work out. In particular, how do you handle bowl game contracts as you expand the number of teams available for the college football playoff? And let me explain what I mean by that. Let's say you are the Citrus Bowl and you are sitting down in Orlando and you ordinarily are getting the SEC's top team that isn't necessarily going to the playoff and isn't going to the Sugar Bowl Well, if suddenly there are four SEC teams going to uh, the playoff, maybe the Sugar Bowl gets one of those, maybe they don't, but as you go forward, you end up with the fifth or sixth best team in the SEC instead of maybe the second or third, maybe it's the seventh best team. How do you compensate the bowl games there? Also, what if there are not enough bowl teams available? All of that needs to be determined. Ultimately though, Based on all the conversations that I have heard we are going to end up with the six best conference champions and the six best next teams. It's a function of how far the Pac-12 has fallen that they're afraid they might not even be included there. Uh, But again, the 12-team college football playoff continues to progress. There are just a lot of legal hurdles to jump over and now with the Supreme Court ruling that came out yesterday and I hope you guys went and learned and, uh, and listened to what I had to say about that. There are many complicating factors name, image, and likeness antitrust law Title IX uh, all of those issues rolling together in what is going to end up being a very complicated story in order to figure out so that is where we are in the college football universe as we move closer and closer uh, to uh, all of those situations being resolved. Now uh, biggest story I would say that is going on right now is Kristen Cinema wrote she is the Democratic Senator from Arizona wrote a uh, wrote a editorial for the Washington Post where she effectively ended 
any possibility of the filibuster ever being ended. Uh, for those of you who don't pay a lot of attention to this in order to uh, end the filibuster there have to be 60 votes and there's been a lot of talk about doing away with it and making it a simple majority that would advance the Senate. And Kristen Sinema pointed out something interesting that just in 2017 31 senators including Joe Biden who were Democrats supported the filibuster. Now suddenly it's racist Uh, the filibuster is Jim Crow 2.0 all these different things is about power. And the Democrats if they were in power might well decide that they want to give two Senate seats to Washington D.C. They might well decide that they want to give two Senate seats to Puerto Rico uh, as a part of statehood for both locations. They might also decide uh, that they want to expand the Supreme Court if all that is required is a 50 vote number in conjunction with Kamala Harris breaking the tie. And I think Kristen Sinema made a strong argument in her Washington Post uh, op-ed. She said effectively that the Senate should function as Thomas Jefferson and our creators of the government made the decision it should function as as a cooling mechanism in a hot-tempered America. The House is going to be the hot temper as Thomas Jefferson talked about the Senate is supposed to be the saucer that allows uh, the, uh, the, the, the hot-blooded uh, American public to cool off a little bit. And the metaphor that is either true or false I don't know but he poured his uh, hot coffee or hot tea into a saucer and said the Senate basically functions in that manner to calm everything down. Well, in addition to that as Kristen Sinema pointed out if a bare majority decides everything then we're going to have massive swings every couple of years based on who controls the Senate who controls the House who's in the White House and that is not necessarily very helpful overall to uh, being able to plan business being able to plan life in this country and so rapid swings from one direction to another don't make a lot of sense and again I think the strongest part of Kristen Sinema's editorial which has been echoed by by the way Joe Manchin is in pointing out in her Washington Post editorial that just a couple of years ago 31 different Democratic senators were in favor of uh, preserving the filibuster. That was when the Republicans controlled the House, the Senate and the White House with Donald Trump winning election. Now why is this significant? Well it's significant because it effectively ends the talk of the filibuster and it also ties in with the voting rights bill that is not going to become law. Now I'm not sure if this is a legal bill anyway uh, because it would eventually go through all the courts and we'd have to determine whether you can federalize state election law in the first place or if that violates principles of federalism. It's an intriguing question that I don't think we have an easy answer for uh, but effectively Joe Biden's agenda is running into the cold hard facts and logic here and there's going to have to be a decision made about whether or not he's willing to be bipartisan and work with Republicans or if he's going to keep trying to use uh, whatever parliamentary measures he can to advance his agenda while he can. And I think this is going to be an interesting story for all of us to be paying a lot of attention to but again I'd encourage you to go read the editorial that Kristen Cinema wrote. I'd also encourage you to read what Joe Manchin wrote uh, in his local West Virginia paper where he came out basically acknowledging that he is in favor of uh, uh, not changing things with the filibuster. And by the way Cinema and Manchin in the Senate are going to get a lot of attention but also there are other senators 
uh, in New Hampshire and also in Montana that do not appear to support in any way ending the filibuster. This thing has officially uh, ended I think the expansive run-up of Joe Biden's power. He had uh, a lot of money spent already. We'll see what happens with the budget going forward but I think uh, we are going to slow down in a massive way as a result of uh, this uh, decision. There's not just one senator there's probably four that would have to be persuaded to vote in favor of a filibuster and I don't think that is actually going to happen. Speaking of the Senate uh, Herschel Walker is now hinting that he is going to run for the Senate out of the state of Georgia and I thought this was interesting uh, because I put up a poll question uh, for all of you out there to decide whether or not you think that it makes a lot of sense uh, going forward as it pertains to Herschel Walker running for the Senate Uh, and over 15,000 of you have voted so far should Herschel Walker run for Senate against Raphael Warnock in Georgia in 2022 that's next year uh, 88% of you said yes he should run for the Senate I think Herschel Walker would win in a massive margin let me explain why Look at what just happened in Alabama. Now Alabama and Georgia are very different states. We understand that. But they border each other and Alabama made the decision to elect Doug Jones to the Senate a couple of years ago. Why did Doug Jones win in the Senate race? Because Alabama had made the decision to nominate Roy Moore and then there were a lot of negative stories that came out about Roy Moore and as a result Doug Jones, a Democrat won by a small margin uh, in an election race to represent the state of Alabama. Well, then there are all these Republicans who line up to run and you know who ended up winning? Tommy Tuberville former Auburn football coach. Now it's not like Auburn is that popular in the grand scheme of things in the state of Alabama. They are like Ireland to Alabama's England. They are a minority inside of the state Uh, and so Tuberville not only did he win the Senate election he won all over the state of Alabama even including up till the last couple of uh, results even in Tuscaloosa where he had beaten Alabama at one point six years in a row remember fear the thumb uh, when Auburn won six straight years beating Alabama in football. Tommy Tuberville is now a senator representing the state of Alabama. So Herschel Walker I would argue is probably the most popular person in the state of Georgia overall. I can't even think maybe you guys can in the comments Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitter you can share with me someone who is more popular in the state of Georgia than Herschel Walker but if he were to win I think that he would beat Warnock in 2022 and that's because Herschel is the most popular person in the state of Georgia. He's also been a prominent ally of Donald Trump who has encouraged him to run. So I think he would have all of the Trump supporters. I think he would have the vast majority of the Georgia Bulldog fans who still think about Herschel when they won their national championship back I believe in 1980 which was 40 years ago now 41 years ago now I guess that Herschel won uh, the, uh, the national championship for Georgia and he remains an iconic figure all over the state of Georgia one of the most popular athletes in the entire country. In fact the only athlete I can even think of this is a fun debate 
how many uh, different athletes are more popular in their respective states right now than Herschel Walker in Georgia? Some ideas for you. I would say probably Peyton Manning in Tennessee. Maybe Tim Tebow in Florida. Possibly, possibly, probably still Tom Brady in Massachusetts. Other than those three I can't think of very many people who would be more popular. Is Vince Young still insanely popular in Texas? Eh, maybe. Can you think of any athletes more popular in their individual states than Herschel, than Peyton Manning, than Tim Tebow and maybe Tom Brady in Massachusetts? Jeter in New York? I don't know. Maybe. There aren't very many people out there that are anywhere near as popular as Herschel is in his state which is why I think he would beat Raphael Warnock I think he would win in the state of Georgia and that could potentially flip the Senate races uh, and the Senate control back to Republicans depending on how things go in 2022 otherwise. By the way, that's a fun debate and I may trot it out on social media and see how many of you can come up with other athletes who are more popular Uh, Certainly like in Canada for instance Wayne Gretzky is probably more popular but I I don't know the provinces of Canada well enough but inside the United States I would go probably number one Peyton Manning in Tennessee. I I don't think you can underrate how popular Peyton Manning is in Tennessee. Uh, I think probably in the second spot I might be going with Tebow in Florida Uh, because I do think Tebow is still wildly popular in Florida although he's a little bit controversial because he's more political. Herschel in Georgia and uh, Peyton Manning by the way would also be really popular in Indiana but I think he's also super popular in Tennessee and Peyton Manning would be popular by the way in Colorado too. John Elway in Colorado probably up on the list of popular characters Uh, and uh, Brady in Massachusetts Uh, just because you have to have a long-term connection I think to be wildly popular. That's going to be a fun topic. I'm going to toss that up on social media and let you guys weigh in. College World Series as I said to start this show is underway right now. Uh, Vanderbilt last night congratulations to NC State. 1-0 win. NC State now in tremendous shape to wait and see what's going to happen in the loser style bracket. Uh, we will have tomorrow I believe Vanderbilt will be playing Stanford in an elimination game to see who advances to have to beat NC State twice. That will be an intriguing game to watch tomorrow night. Uh, Mississippi State and Virginia in the winner's bracket to take a commanding lead towards advancing to the college football uh, college uh, playoff. And in the meantime Texas still up 7-4 to four on Tennessee in the battle of UTs that is out there. Uh, I want to tell you right now uh, about my friends at, uh, at my Dr. Hank but first I've got to make sure that I find uh, this read and put myself in a position to actually read it. So give me a second here to pull up the read and make sure that I, actually do, uh, that I don't screw this up in any way. Uh, and I want to tell you erectile dysfunction affects over half of all men but it doesn't have to make you feel like half of a man. Since 2017 My Dr. Hank has been making America hard again. My Dr. Hank helps you get low-cost ED meds and overcome the psychological and emotional barriers to getting ED treatment. 
They secure your prescription and then ship it to you discreetly every month from U.S. pharmacies all for as low as $2 a pill. That's why I don't want you to wait at all. You can join the movement to make America hard again. Go to mydrhank.com slash clay and sign up today. Tell Dr. Hank I sent you and he will give you 50% off your first subscription order. That's mydrhank.com slash clay offer only available for a limited time. Uh, A lot of news and attention yesterday evening given over to Carl Nassib. Uh, He is a Raiders defensive end who announced that he was was gay and he donated $100,000 to charity to help. Look, my position on this is this is why the NFL is the greatest meritocracy in all of sports and maybe the greatest meritocracy in all the country. Because all that matters is ultimately your ability to make plays on the field. And I think this is where most fans are. The vast, vast majority. Off the field issues either good, bad, indifferent most fans don't really care. All they care about is on the field. Let me walk through it. There are a lot of people out there doing incredible work Walter Payton Man of the Year nominees. If you are being an incredible force for good off the field but you lack the ability to make plays on the field it's not going to keep you employed in the NFL. If you are a force for ill will or poor behavior but you are a really good player on the field somebody will find a way to keep you employed. Look at Antonio Brown. Look at all of the different NFL players with criminal histories. Look right now for instance at Deshaun Watson who has 22 outstanding civil lawsuits alleging sexual assault and yet teams are still willing to trade for him because he's a very talented young quarterback in this league. And so To me what is fascinating about this is I think that the meritocracy basically says all we care about is your performance on the field. Michael Sam, I feel like we had this debate feels like a decade ago when Michael Sam announced he was gay then was drafted by the Rams did not make the roster was not good enough to play. I don't think it had anything to do with his overall sexuality. I think it was entirely connected to whether or not he was good enough. And the same thing I think will be true of Carl Nassib. I don't think there are that many people that are homophobic who are NFL fans. I I wrote in my book my most recent book Republicans Buy Sneakers 2 that if Bill Belichick could find a transgender dwarf who could play football at a high level Bill Belichick would play the transgender dwarf, right? All of the identity politics that people want to be obsessed with as it pertains to sports ultimately boils down to one question. Can you play or can you not play? That's what the locker room cares about your teammates that's what your fans care about that's what ultimately the organization cares about because that's what they're paying you to do. So I hope Carl Nassib is a good player for years to come. If he is he'll be in the NFL. If he's not then he won't be. That's how the NFL meritocracy works whether you're white, black, Asian, Hispanic whether you are gay or straight whether you are religious or you don't care at all about religion whatever your background is if you can play the NFL will find a way to let you play for them. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind about this. I do think Michael Sam has already sort of trod this terrain. I'm not sure that this is a real new story. I understand the active roster part but I would argue Michael Sam is a bigger storyline because he made these comments right before 
the NFL draft so that every team was aware of his sexual orientation before they even got to the draft. Now, I am a big proponent of speaking and saying and being as honest and authentic as you can be whether you're gay, straight, whether you're conservative, whether you're liberal, whether you are uh, white, black, brown, Asian, Hispanic, whatever your background is, own it. Speak your, uh, your authentic voice and don't run and hide from anything. So that's my perspective on this story in general uh, that took over and got a lot of attention yesterday. Final topic, uh, tonight is the New York, City, New York City's mayor race. And some of you might be wondering why is the New York City mayor race a big deal? And by the way, it's the Democratic primary for the New York City mayor race but there's not, it appears, a viable Republican candidate. In other words, there isn't a Rudy Giuliani or a Michael Bloomberg who is out there to potentially be elected on the other side of the ballot. Uh, And so what ultimately this is about to me and why you should care even if you don't care very much about New York City in general is there is a defund the police battle being fought in the Democratic primary between Eric Adams who is a 22-year New York City police veteran and Maya Wiley who is a far left-wing defund the police maybe don't even give police weapons advocate. And I think this is a serious story because it represents a civil war of sorts in the Democratic Party. In particular, what is going on here as it pertains to defund the police? Vast majorities of all voters of all races reject and repudiate the idea of defunding the police. This is a social media writ large idea defund the police is that has real world consequences in the form of thousands of additional deaths going forward. As it pertains to those thousands of additional deaths the vast majority of them are black and brown people who are not being protected by the police as much as they would because the police are being defunded because they're being pulled out of neighborhoods because they aren't allowed to police and as a result a criminal element is surging in to fill that void. When that void is filled with criminal elements the overall danger to all of us white, black, brown, Asian, Hispanic all of us are under more danger than we otherwise would be. And so to me this is an interesting battle in the democratic civil war who is going to end up winning this battle? Is it going to be Eric Adams who is somewhat moderate favors police expansioning uh, 22-year veteran believes that police are a force for good in New York City or is it going to be Maya Wiley who believes that police should be defunded by the way while paying of course as everyone does for their own private security within the context of, uh, of her own lifestyle. Everybody's in favor of defunding the police but it's amazing how many people out there who want to defund the police also simultaneously want to go ahead and pay a lot of money for security to support them. A Monmouth poll that came out by the way uh, circling back around to Kristen Cinema and the debate over voting rights in general do you support or oppose requiring voters to show a photo ID in order to vote? 80% of people support it. That includes this is a pretty crazy statistic Not, this is what has been called by the way Jim Crow 2.0 by Joe Biden it's a nonsensical argument. 
Overall, 80% of people support showing a photo ID in order to vote including 91% of Republicans 87% of Independents 62% of Democrats 77% of white voters 84% of non-white voters support having a photo ID in order to vote including 81% of those making less than $50,000 a year in income. This idea of needing a, a license to vote or a photo ID to vote is not remotely controversial. It's the very basic form of electoral security. And let me just represent this. I didn't get the vaccine yet but I was scheduled to get the vaccine. Publix sent me an email telling me that if I was going to get the one-shot vaccine or the two-shot vaccine you know what I had to bring? My insurance card as well as a photo ID. So I was required to bring a photo ID to get a uh, vaccine shot which is pretty wild to think about considering how many people out there are trying to argue oh you know how racist it is to require a photo ID. Folks, it ain't complicated to get a photo ID. Everyone should have a photo ID period no matter where you live and everybody should have a photo ID to show up and vote. That to me is the most basic essence of electoral security. All right, I love all of you. I'm going to be live in 30 minutes. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. I am Clay Travis. This has been Outkick the Show. I appreciate all of you. Fox Bet Live will be on in 30 minutes. It's 5 o'clock Eastern, 4 o'clock Central, 3 o'clock Mountain, 2 o'clock Pacific on FS1. This, though, is Outkick the Show. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP.